So you're saying he would be a blogger? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, he, he would definitely be on the scenefoot.com. Did you guys Let's ever read that. Stephen King's Tommyknockers? No. <laughs> I didn't. In that book, the main character finds a spaceship, and the spaceship... I don't know, somehow he plugs into the spaceship and all of a sudden novels start coming, like they just start coming out of him. Like when he's sleeping, he doesn't have to do any work and all of a sudden all these great books are pouring out of him. Um, wow. Do you, well, you, you remember <laughs> at the end of House of Leaves, Doug, where he's, he's, he's writing the book, the actual book that you're reading as he's destroying it. You know, right. <laughs> as, he, as he's lighting it on fire so he can see himself writing the book. You know? <laughs> so, of yeah, that that one reminds me probably the most of the the Ulysses project. Well, I don't know. Infinite Jest also. But there's something really earnest about House of Leaves and trying to craft like a self-contained structure. Yeah, it's almost too earnest for Joyce. Like Joyce would always, he would make fun of House of Leaves. <laughs> like he would, he would make fun of House of Leaves because it doesn't make fun of itself enough. You know. But the the recognitions is like on par with it in a different sort of way. Is as far as the the number of characters and how well it. Um, functions as a totality and i think it's all about like the recognitions is all about uh the anxiety of influence like before he before that term came out by harold bloom bloom again but uh um like uh gaddis gaddis is so adamant in saying that um joyce was not an influence on his work at all you know but it obviously is, you know, it's like you read that book and it's like, for sure, it's an influence, you know, it's, there's all these points that we can get into, but it, it's obvious that it's an influence on it, but he denies it. But I think he doesn't, he denies it in a playful way. He's denying it because that's part of the theme of recognitions is um, counterfeit, you know, it's like a, how, how, how exactly like, um, what does plagiarism even mean or what does counterfeit even mean or what does it mean um influence of something and 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 this idea that uh artists borrow ideas from other artists and and don't uh don't provide references for it sort of deny that it's actually happening but i think i think gaddis is doing that on purpose you know so it's it, gaddis is well aware that he's um borrowing from ulysses but he's denying it because that's part of the recognitions, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, uh, I love that book also. The recognitions after reading Ulysses again, um, it just I, I kept coming back to that book. But back to what you were thinking about, SJ, the idea of like transmuting life into art and how I these books make me think about how I have the same kind of, it's like the great work in you. And it's like, Oh, I just want this to come out. How, you know, it's like you, you're hatching the scheme. And that's why I brought up Stephen King's like, he, he thinks like I do. It's like, 
just hook up to the spaceship so the novel will come out or whatever art form it is. Um, yeah, when you were talking SJ also, I was thinking of Nietzsche. Nietzsche, Nietzsche said, we are all greater artists than we realize. And he meant that the, uh, the process of perception itself is art. You know, like we project the world via our senses, right? And, and so each of us has a, has a different world. Somehow we're able to communicate with each other, but, but we, we're creating this masterpiece at every second or microsecond of perception, you know? Um, and I, I think that, that goes directly into Ulysses too. Like the, the uh, Buck Mulligan calls um, Stephen Dedalus Kinch the Superman, like he's the Ubermensch. He's the, he's the, uh, <laughs> the, the Nietzschean post-God. Um, he also Superman. called him like the, the mummerist mummer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, you frightful Jesuit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have uh, SJ or anyone else, are you familiar with the works of Tarkovsky, the filmmaker? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah for sure. He's, yeah. he's my favorite. Okay. I, I, it's been so long since I've seen Mirror, but I want to say that Mirror reflects uh, sort of the spirit of Joyce. You know, it incorporates different media within the storyline. There's a, there's a printing, um, I don't know what you call it, factory. There's the shops, there's throwbacks to childhood and parental relationships and, and a use of the medium, in my opinion, um, Tarkovsky uses the medium as of film as well as anybody. Um, he just exploits it in the best sense of the word. And uh, I feel like that's perhaps an example of, of a Joycean approach to both media and storytelling. Yeah, especially like Tarkovsky is well known throughout his films like the those slow scenes of where you see a uh, like a pool of water or something and, and it's kind of like there's it's multi-layered so it's it's like you you see the reflection of what's happening outside the reflection of the sun or or, or whatever and then there's something floating on the water like maybe some lily pads or something and then and then midway down, you see things floating in in the pool, and then you can see the uh, the bottom of the pool as well. And so you have these multi layered shots all at once. And it, it, this idea of like uh, um, multiple layers of reality occurring simultaneously, which is which is completely in uh, in, in Ulysses. I'd agree. You know, it's like, um, but uh, I I think it, like. It, it's almost the same tradition in a way, like I was saying before, how he was, uh, Joyce is influenced by, by Russian, early Russian film. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and that's, I mean, this to me um, is part of Joyce. It has to be part of the conversation and, and maybe it's incidental uh, in, in a certain way, but, you know, you have the invention of the photograph, 19th century. By the 1900, you have electricity coming online, and 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 media really does start to explode in, in fresh ways, in ways where I think we kind of, I think so. It's, it's a long thing. I don't want to get into it, but that's kind of the marker for me for the age, the new age is around uh, 1900. You can throw Crowley in 1903, 04. These ideas that are emerging around this time, like every man and woman is a star, 
it kind of sounds like uh, what you were describing earlier um, about one of the characters in the novel, uh, this kind of irreverent idea. Oh, the artist, I want my nation to worship me, not, not to worship the nation, something like that. That's a, that's a paraphrase, but I wonder how, I mean, things get insane in terms of the media, in terms of language, in terms of having the number of books available, um, you know, the, the, the technology about around publishing, the industrial revolution, the radio, even, but even um, I was thinking this, this was triggered by just the moving picture. And as that, as that's emerging in Joyce's lifetime, you know, I can't imagine what the chaos, I mean, we're living through a highly chaotic time with the internet, no doubt, and how it's changed the nature of how we perceive time and perceive ourselves and interact with ourselves and others. But there's a similar kind of profound shift happening in his life. And it just feels like this is kind of a, a, a maybe he's grappling with some of that by doing this kind of remix, this remix model of creativity where it's almost nonsensical on the one hand. I hear Fennigan's wake is more like that than Ulysses. But um, so anyway, just to throw that in, the kind of bomb that electricity and the media that's emergent um, that bomb that gets dropped around this period that he's obviously grappling with, you know, um, it's got to be found here somewhere. Maybe this is like the idea of going back to the tangible source of the body and of sex and, uh, you know, these kind of, this kind of um, proletariatification that he seems to be doing on the one uh, partially here. Well, and there's um, a, a part Again, going back to Circe and uh, the the coronation of Bloom, and Joyce actually has sort of a, a prophetic vision of where media will go. In this one line, he says, um, "Wireless intercontinental and interplanetary transmitters are set for reception of a message." I loved that because. You know, again, Ireland was the point of this transoceanic or transatlantic cable. And, you know, wireless telegraphy did exist at this time, which is essentially radio. Um, but it, it wasn't intercontinental and certainly not interplanetary. But you can see how just by extrapolating from what did exist at the time, you, people were imagining intercontinental wireless communication and even interplanetary. And what's really amazing is that the first successful transatlantic cable that was laid was in 1858. And the first message that was relayed using a telecommunication satellite was a hundred years later in 1958 with the Christmas message of, of Eisenhower. Um, that was using a satellite that was built in part with the assistance of AT&T, which is, you know, telephone company. Um, so it, basically a fulfillment, at least a, the intercontinental wireless aspect of Joyce's vision, a hundred years after the intercontinental telegraphy cable was laid. It's pretty amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. It, I, uh, that quote that you read too, it, it reminds me of um, like Stephen's thoughts in Proteus where he's watching, like he's on the, uh, 
he's on the beach and uh he's watching basically two midwives walk down the beach and he's they're carrying a bag and he's imagining what's in the bag and so he says what what has she in the bag a misbirth with a trailing navel cord hushed in ruddy wool the cords of all link back strandent whiting cable of all flesh that is why mystic monks will you be as gods gaze into your omphalos hello kinch here put me on to edenville aleph alpha not not one spouse and helpmate of adam cadman Hava, naked eve she had no navel gaze <laughs> like a it's it's a i love that it's the same thing almost yeah like it's a, a although he's describing it in uh in biological terms like or uh genetic terms basically or even more than that mystical terms uh um so it's this is the interesting point i think this is what joyce is is saying too is is that uh this period um 1904 june 16th it could be any time like if he had picked a date any date from history past or the future it would be equally as rich meaning no uh no less rich or no more rich than um what's expressed in this book you know and so it's um we talked about that in the last uh last podcast on this the the idea of a kaleidoscope where the turning of the kaleidoscope some elements within it are enhanced and some are in shadow and that's that's basically i think joyce's idea of history it doesn't reach one great hegelian climax it's like at each point it's as complete as every other point you know um so 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 this idea that that it's coming like we're at this point now and it's it's all unique with the internet and everything else yes it is but it, it was also at that time too you know and it and it was a hundred years before that or a thousand years before that yeah no i i, I um yeah yeah i just um um, I want to just, just, I just punched up the chart because, you know, this is a specific moment in time. That's the other thing I like about it, that he's saying this book is dated on this exact date. It makes you wonder what was happening in his life in 1904. Like, why did he pick this date? Maybe something big happened to him that day. How old was he in 1904? Do you know? <laughs> he's, he's 20, he's 22, but you missed, uh, you missed the intro of Robert Anton Wilson in the last uh, podcast. Okay, what what was it? Well, ahead. so the joke is that so there the scholars say that he that was when he kissed Nora, who would become his wife for the first time on that day. But okay. then Robert <laughs> Anton Robert Anton Wilson says, No, she she gave him a hand job in the park. Yeah, that's the evidence he has is from from the letters, right? And it's pretty it's pretty clear. I think he's right. Wow. So he gets a hand job on this day. That's interesting. It's cool. I'm just looking at, I'm going to share my screen here. You guys want to see this? Oh, um, host disabled participant sharing. Okay. I made Doug a host and I guess I de-hostified myself. Oh, um, the death of the king. But it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to share my screen. I just, I just was looking at this chart. I was going to, you know, there's so much in Gemini that's happening on that exact day in 1904. There's uh venus and mars are together very close 
and with Pluto all right there. And that's, that's a classic sex signature, Venus and Mars together in Gemini, but then Mercury's in Gemini ruling it all. And then of course the sun in Gemini. So there is something here about just the power of the hermetic and the power of um, this particular moment. It's a young waxing moon too. I feel like that's very auspicious, uh, you know, and uh, the a cancer moon, the sign that cancer rules. And I, I don't want to get like, go down to some, go down astrological delineation too much, but it's just cool to see um, this exact moment in time when we have the planetary signatures. And it's, it's like, uh, I always want to just go there mentally. So, and Saturn, that's the main thing. We talked about this in the last talk. Saturn is in the same degrees in 1904 in Aquarius as it would, as it will be in 2022. Um, uh, it will move through that, that 21st degree of Aquarius. So we're in the Saturn return, the fourth Saturn return of, of, um, this day, the day that he received this hand job. Cool. I, I would like to see that. Uh, okay. Let you, me, you could, you could reclaim the host, the Eucharist. You know, let me see if oh reclaim host. Yeah. Okay. Let me reclaim that host. Perfect. Yeah. I'll show you this. So you can see it here. Um, here it is. And I'll, let me set it for Dublin. Let's get a noon chart for Dublin. Dublin, uh, Ireland, and we can apply this. So here's uh, about, is there any particular time that is important? Um, um, but here, here's noon. And so you can see this stellium, we call it in, in Gemini. It's very auspicious to have the ruler of the planet of the sign in the sign overseeing all those other planets. And Mercury is kind of like, it's a way here um, degree wise it's kind of cool to see this very powerful Mercury. This is like the most powerful Mercury you can have in a way. It's visible. So you would have been able to see this in the morning on this morning. You could have looked up and seen Mercury if you had a clear sky. And it's in the early degrees, the power degrees that we call in uh, ancient astrology, these Egyptian terms. It's another division of the, of the Zodiac. So that's like, that's pretty dope that, that um, this is such a mercurial text and a hermetic, not in the... Um traditional sense but in the just the kind of the loose sense uh, text there, um sj there is a specific time uh okay. his leopold bloom's watch stops at um it says it exactly this is in the um Whoa. Uh, this is in the uh, naushka episode and he his watch stops at like 4 30 some like around 4 30 or just after four and and then he thinks that is that the moment that that it's a cuckold. blazes blazes boiling and his wife were getting it on you know so i think that is the the time if you want to focus in on that you know afternoon or, or morning afternoon like I'll, I'll try to find exactly where that is because uh, that is um well because be... the little sissy cafferty walks over to ask him the time yeah and then he realizes his watch is stopped and then he thinks, oh, that's probably when, like, he he brings meaning to that himself. It's uh -huh. just after four anyways, because that, that they make a big deal of that, that he's he's going to their house, going to her house at four. But he ends but up going a little late. He goes because... a little late. And then, uh, but the, the watch stopping is almost exactly, could be the time, you know, it's like... Uh, um, but where is yeah. that? Oh, I can't find it. 
It's, it's an interesting, I mean, the chart doesn't change too much. It's just that Scorpio on the ascendant. I just, the thing about this day, if you're just thinking about like visual is once the sun goes down, you see that little sliver of a young moon. That would have been, that would have been pretty beautiful in the sky. Mm. And um, the moon had ingressed into Leo by this time. So there's some, maybe there's something there, but it's a really auspicious chart. I mean, this is a really kind of dynamic and powerful uh, chart of astrology. You have Aries where Jupiter in is in Aries. We're going to have that later this year. We'll have an Aries Jupiter this summer, and that's going to be a pretty dynamic active time. I think just for everything we've gone through, you know, with, with the lockdowns and everything, as we're coming out of that, um, I expect this summer to be kind of combustive and robust. So um, we'll also have a Gemini Mars at the end of this year for eight months, it's a, which, which mirrors this chart. So there's actually a lot of resonance, um, heavy resonance for our current moment. And here we are talking about it. I wonder culturally how Ulysses will be received this year. Well, the hundred years. So I, I guess we're going to get ready for all kinds of articles and, or we'll, maybe this speaks to uh, Bill's question. Is it, has it been lost or is it, is it going to be celebrated as it, you know, like how much of it will be, will be celebrated. I think a lot, just seeing this astrology, I think it should be a lot, but any sense of that yet, Snor? Is there, like, are people already talking about this or Doug or? Um... Oh, it's, it's going to be huge. Like, well, huge. <laughs> it's not, there's not going to be any uh, riots about it or anything, but uh, like for a certain segment of people, it's going to, it's, it's a massive thing, I think. So there's a well, star capella just quickly to, and I'll and just to, to throw this out there. Cause you might, you guys might find this interesting. Capella is a star. It's the Aeolian goat in mythology that raises Jupiter and it's the uh, Aruga constellation. There's this little goat, the guy's holding. And that star is very close here to Mars and close to Venus and, and to the Pluto in this chart. So I wonder if there's something mythologically there mm. with, um, uh, the, the goat's milk and the kind of nourishment uh, from that goat's milk. But they are picking up on um, certain stars or bloom is pointing out certain stars. And it's interesting that you're saying about the moon, the sliver of the moon, which would allow them to see this guy very well. You know? Yeah. Um, but I found that I found the time. So he's, he's like uh, funny. My watch stopped at half past four dust shark, shark liver oil. They used to clean, could do it myself, save. Was that just when she, when he, she? Oh, he did. Into her, she did. Done. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good question. When is the exact moment? That That's probably it, you know? Here it is. Here's the chart. So I'll, I'll send this to you guys if you want to put it in the chat. Um. It's a very interesting uh, chart, like I said, like I'm saying, and, and um, yeah, massive this, amount on in Gemini, right? Like, yeah, heavy Gemini. We call this a stellium. So it's uh, four traditional planets: the Sun, Mars, Venus, and, and Mercury, and then Pluto, if you want to include that the dwarf planet. But yeah, it's a heavy, heavy Gemini. Just what you read there is like so Gemini, like like language play, playing with language, and it's so Mars, Venus, and Gemini because that's sex. That's like the, the placement you would find in a lot of ancient texts about whoring and just like a lot of sexual activity when you have Venus and Mars joining. And so that he's like, it, 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 all the, the, the sexual, this book is sexual, man. 
I was surprised how sexual it is. I mean, it's well, heavy sure, sexual. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense because it's a fundamental part of the reality. But um, that scene there in this conjunction, I mean, that's screen. Like, it makes sense watching that movie. It's like horrors are everywhere and the brothels. And, you know, it's, and then her monologue, it's like, that's very, very, um, very much shown here. So powerful. So that the monologue itself is is interesting because you wonder if someone could get away with that now. Like it feels pretty authentic, but it's still through Joyce, you know? Get away with writing about it or get away with doing the behavior. Well, so he's giving voice to thoughts that... That a woman has, right? That a woman yeah. has. Yeah. But women have never even had that voice voiced. Yes. And so because it's so coarse. Yes. But it's a good point. Like they, you get all these feminist fans of Ulysses, though. Like I don't, I, I've never read a real tearing apart. I'm sure there, I'm sure that exists somewhere. You know that, uh, but I, I haven't come across it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great point, Doug. I mean, because it's like it's a mask. He's a man, right? And he's voicing the woman's inner thoughts. And but yet it's so accurate. And maybe, maybe, I mean, I know that my women friends, I mean, they should, if they have those kind of dirty thoughts, and I think they sometimes, I mean, this sounds so bad just saying, I think they do like kind of otherizing women as a category, but it's yeah, is it even allowed? Like, could a woman, and if she did, communicate that it seems like there would be pushback or exclusion or just it would be hidden away you know or presented in a way that isn't as kind of naturalistic it would be more like sarah silverman or something like a like a comedian that's where it's kind of a joke and this feels very real and honest and and like i don't know i wonder if he pulled that from any of his female friends or those letters from molly was she writing dirty stuff back to him was was Oh, oh, yeah. Like, so that's that's a big in, influence on his his idea of Molly Bloom as his own wife, you know. And it's his wife. I think read her the, letters were supposed to be part of the end instead of the, like a soliloquy that it was supposed to be letters, like her actual letters, but they were in a different country or something. The other interesting thing is that um, it ends. Ulysses ends similar in a way that uh, Finnegan's Wake ends, which is, it's in Finnegan's Wake, it's sort of the, uh, the monologue of ALP, which is the feminine goddess figure in that book, you know? And so in, in it, and it's the same kind of stream of consciousness prose that, that happens, it just flows. Um, in Finnegan's Wake, she's, she's the Liffey flowing out into the sea, right? Um, but that's basically what Molly Bloom is as well. Like she's even like a, she's she's just started menstruating and she goes into the chamber pot and then you just every, everything is gushing out of her. Yeah. Wow, uh, that's awesome. I didn't know about that. That is that is that is cool. Uh, um, Doug, one thing I was going to ask you about is that you you um you got a timeline of. Bloom's Day and then Stephen's Day and posted it. Uh-huh. And so I, I printed it out too and I've been looking at it and it's it's weird. You, you, like it's 
it's interesting. Like if you look at it, it's like, like Stephen in, in Stephen's timeline of the day, uh, he's four o'clock. He's having drinks at the Moira five o'clock. He's having drinks at large. another bar. And then it skips to 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock. He drinks at whole street maternity hospital. He's at the hospital where he meets bloom. But like from five o'clock to 10 o'clock, he's apparently unaccounted for. We don't know what he was doing, or at least in this timeline, it's not. So this guide is online and free, and I don't know how I found it, but it was pretty helpful. But I don't know if I like this guy or not. Yeah, like there must be something that that I I can't think of it though myself. Like, what was he doing from five o'clock to like he he was drinking? So he must have like when you're drinking and he was drinking all day. He was drinking before that. You don't stop and do something sober and then go back to drinking. Like he's he's already full on drinking for like a like well he's drinking for an hour then and then he was drinking before that you know so i imagine from five o'clock to ten o'clock he's still getting drunk somewhere but it doesn't <laughs> doesn't explain like what's what's going on with steve well was he time. drinking at larchette's from for, for five hours maybe i don't know yeah <laughs> 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 like I, that happens to me sometimes but um, but that's that's interesting. But then you look at uh, Bloomsday, and it's like um, this timeline is like uh, ten o'clock. He visits All Hallows Church. Nine ten fifteen. He heads to Sweeney's Pharmacy. He buys the soap. Ten thirty. Takes a bath. Like in fifteen minutes, he's into a bath. And then ten forty-five. Takes a tram towards Dingham's house in Sandymount. Like like in fifteen minutes, he takes he takes a bath. And catches the tram, you know, and then, uh, and then in eleven oh five, he's he's at the funeral. Uh, so it, it I a don't 15 know. Fifteen minute like, bath is yeah, that's like a quick wash. It's not really a. Like, I think and he, it, he and beats off in the in the bath. Well, he's 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 about to. He he he's at the end uh, when he finally beats off on the beach. He's happy that he didn't beat off in the bath, <laughs> but but he was dreaming of it. He was like a water to water (laughs) he's he's full-on luxuriating in the bathtub but in this timeline at least it's just describing him as being there for like less than 15 minutes so it's uh i thought that was weird like um i don't know how accurate it is it it must be fairly accurate you know but well i don't know um I don't know about you guys, but here in New York, it's I late. Crossed, I crossed the 222 threshold, which is when I was going to tap out. We're at tap out at. We're now at three 232, which I'll take. Yeah, I'm at I'm at, f- I'm at 432, which is a huge number in uh, for George. Oh, too. So, so your clock should have stopped two seconds, two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the uh, 4, 4.32 is the year that uh, St. Patrick, the traditional year that he came and converted the Irish to Christianity. Oh, and there it, you go. And it's also there's four, uh, what is it, like four provinces of uh, Ireland with 32 different counties. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Well, you all are welcome to continue talking, but I myself am going to see myself out the door. It's been great, real pleasure. 
Eric, thank awesome. you. Thanks Eric, for joining us. Yeah. 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 Good to All right, you, guys. Man. You have a good night. Have a wonderful night, Eric. Bye-bye. Thank you. Stay warm Soon. there. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you guys at uh, with time? Bedtime. Your bedtime, Doug. Okay. I'm uh, 8.30. We didn't the- solve the mystery of the man in the Macintosh, though, of course. He ends up shooting Macintosh, right? Like in his, in in Circe in his maybe uh, no in his mad fantasy. He, yeah, Macintosh is the the first one to descend from his rule, and so he has him shot. <laughs> but um, uh, uh, what's his name? Nabokov thinks that Macintosh is Joyce. Oh, interesting. Which could be, huh? Yeah, so I think I'm excited to read around the book for a while. Yeah, I was thinking like um, I was listening to the last podcast we did of this. And Doug, you were saying that you just by coincidence went and saw Hamlet. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. I was thinking that would be a nice, short, but deep text to get into after this, you know. Let's do it. I'd love to do Hamlet. Wow. There's so many movies too. So I can watch a few of them and then and get into some of the text. Well, I, <laughs> I, I like this idea. I was saying, though, I was thinking about reading the, like the Gifford, you know, like there's a few texts that all the Joyceans read to understand what's going on. Maybe it's the Stuart. I don't know. Yeah. I've got are. a bunch of them, including a uh, Tyndall, which, uh, which Eric was talking about. Well, I'm really enjoying the Anthony Burgess explication. Oh. Yeah, Clockwork Orange guy. Uh-huh. And so I'm 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 excited to just read more around the edges, but I think that I'll have to dive back in either before or on Bloomsday. And just like, that's part of it. It's like when, when the things are fresh in your mind, it's easier to, you know, to get back into it as far as comprehension. And then. Yeah. I'm going to watch the movie again, the 67 one, because now I have a lot better sense of what's going on and I'll probably listen to library that one. And I'm going to finish the um, Ithaca. I've got like, I don't know, 40 minutes left in Ithaca. But yeah, this helps me. I feel like this is just a world and you once you enter it, you're kind of constantly exploring it or re-exploring it. So yeah. I'm glad to have well, more it's education. fun. I like I like spending time with these people usually. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. fun. It's for sure. It's and it's but if if uh uh, the Hamlet idea is interesting, Sonora. I don't know if that'll prompt anyone to jump on board, but I mean, it's not a long read. Like it'd be, uh, um, be kind of refreshing after this. Yeah, it may but, prompt uh, some people because everybody, a lot of people may have read it, and also you can get into some of the adaptations. What is it? The Kenneth Branagh isn't that one of the big ones? Um. There is the one with the big British actor, uh, Lawrence uh, Olivier, I think. Olivier, yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, 
I would, I would, I've always, Keanu Reeves did Hamlet in Winnipeg. Like it seems oh. like that would be the ultimate synchromistic Hamlet. <laughs> wow. Is that, can, wow. You, can, you, can you find that anywhere? Or? I, I don't think there's any document of it, but the posters, right. I found the posters online. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's, that's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now after the last Matrix has come out. Oh, yeah. Um, I saw it three times from that site, Zorm, and it's awesome. I love oh, the you new can, Matrix. Oh, wow. I didn't even think of looking at, into it on that site. Oh, I should. Yeah. It Just is good, look. you say. It's awesome. I mean, I'd love to see what you guys think. I think it's, I thought it was a masterpiece, man. I thought it was like so oh, impressed with how they did it. So that's great to hear because I've been hearing uh, kind of bad reviews, but they, they're bad reviews, but they seem superficial at the same time. So it's kind of, I was still wondering about it. Like maybe, maybe it's just, you get that with reviews. It's just like uh, you get a bad review, but you can tell by the review that it's, they haven't looked deeply into it. So I, I was wondering if that was the case. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, my, my answer would be yes. And just, I, I mean, all around, I mean, I don't think, like I said, I think it's kind of maybe a perfect film and, uh, you know, close as close to perfect as you can get and on every level. So it's not like these star Wars adaptations where they're just like so many plots and it's just messy and it's clearly like profiteering. No, this is a tight script with an excellent story, but it's how they reintroduce everything, which is, I think, so genius. Um, and yeah, it's, it's awesome. And, you know, I think oh, Lana gets a lot of crit criticism, you know, from the right. I think some of those, mm -hmm. some, like the Matrix, they're getting it from all sides because the right, you know, it's anti-trans, right? There's that anti-trans thing and there's the idea of wokeism. And so it's like, oh, this is just like a woke trans movie. It's not that, I mean, to me, it's, that's just so, um, just, that's not true. It's not that it's, and and then, and then, and then the left is like, oh, this is just rehashing, you know, the red pill, which we don't like the red pill because that's a right wing trope. So it's, it's, <laughs> you know, they're in a tough place, but I think that I really have respect for, for, for way more respect for Lana uh, Wojowski than I, I mean, I liked her work before this, but this is a whole nother level. So it's um, it it definitely made me uh question reality a little bit because that's the whole point of this one like he's like, in another matrix i mean beyond the 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 last three like they're all about questioning reality right but is it is it questioning meta reality almost or something that, yeah. that's what i was hoping oh yeah it's loops yeah. within loops and self-referential. That's what's so genius about it. Just how self-referential it all is. And like, yeah, just watch it. I don't want to say too much if you haven't seen it. You can just go to actvid.com. <laughs> Thank you for that, by the way. I've watched so much shit, man. I mean, it's like, I love having movies up while I work. I always have stuff up now that, I'm, that I can watch. And I saw Euphoria. This is the new show that everybody's talking about. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's like a high school drama. That's, I think it's excellent. Um, and it's did cool because like, you, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, I didn't want to cut you off. But I was just going to ask about, uh, did you watch uh, Don't Look Up? I watched Don't Look Up. Uh, I watched, yes, I watched Don't Look Up, which at first, when I first put it on, I was like, this is shit. And then my brother was texting me like, it's really good. And then I, and then I, and then I gave it another chance and I really liked it. I thought it was, um, I thought it was great. 
Uh, I'm just being honest. I thought it was great. And I, what I love about that too, is that it, it, it opens itself up to attack from all sides, right? The right is like, oh, the global warming uh, people are, have gone mad. The left is like, you know, this is a, um, this is, you know, I don't know what they're, I'd have to get back into it, but it's kind of one of those films. It's a mirror and it's a window in and you can read it in many different ways. Um, and the acting yeah, is I, superb. So. Oh, the acting's great. Like the, I, I had the same kind of reaction as your initial reaction. I was like, uh, I, I don't know about this. You know, it's like, a, um, like I, I went to a friend who, who has Netflix. I went to his place and uh, three of us watched it together. Um, and I, yeah, I kind of enjoyed it and kind of not. And then afterwards we watched Trailer Park Boys and I was like, ah, Trailer Park Boys is way better. <laughs> but but, uh, but um, uh, there's some interesting parts to that movie for sure, you know, and and, and there's some interesting parallels with uh, Melancholia, you know, yeah, like almost exact parallels like the. Uh, have, have you I don't you've seen it, Doug? Have you seen? Yeah, Don't Look Up? I've seen yeah. It. So the, the scene at the end um, where they're at dinner and they hold hands and yeah. say grace yeah. is exactly the scene in Melancholia where they built that hut, basically, and then hold hands and then the whole, the whole world is destroyed in the, in the same way. It's like, uh, I thought that was, that, that's, that was incredible, you know? Yeah, same basic plot. I guess for me, I mean, I don't think it was an amazing. I just like the humor. I thought there was some funny things and just kind of the social critique, mainly because it's like anti-science. So you can you can use it to say, well, people are throwing science around for profit, right? To justify the government does to justify its policies, just like with you know you might say with like pharma or whatever that's gone on in the last two years or big tech. Like those scenes with that big tech guy and he's like we're gonna do the asteroid yeah, yeah. You know, so there's that criticism but then you can also say well the scientists weren't listened to you know and so you have that side of it too so i just felt like it was fair in the sense that it's kind of showing different critiques around science in our time and like the use of scientists and there's something there for everybody to identify with and i thought that was, was well done there's deep sort of philosophical points that come out as well you know like so that um tech dude uh who i can't remember what his name was or what the company is but he's basically everybody like he's, yeah he's, yeah um, every one of them everyone yeah, <laughs> yeah. elon musk and so everybody funny. else he's so great. bill gates and you had you, uh, uh what's his name from facebook and the apple guy and yeah jobs all, yeah. all rolled in together yeah but remember that scene where he 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 comes up to the dicaprio character the professor uh-huh. and he's he's basically like we can see into your future and we know everything about you and we even know how you're going to die and you're going uh-huh. to die alone i know and, i know <laughs> and then but then a little a little bit later it's like uh he does the same thing for the president right the, the woman who's the president and uh he he says somehow you're going to get attacked by some like some weird dinosaur thing that doesn't exist and he was like oh, what what does that mean but but the weird thing is is that he ends up being wrong with DiCaprio yeah but he's absolutely right with her you know so somehow DiCaprio escapes the fate like he escapes the the metaverse somehow mm-hmm. you know 
which is such an like it's 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 a matrix kind of thing again somehow he escapes yeah. and how does he escape he he uh he goes back to his family yeah. and, and friends and people that he loves and loves yeah and 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 they pray together you yeah. know like that's like uh i like i thought that was that's pretty powerful that well yeah. so cool idea you know when i was listening to the bbc podcast about ulysses two of the the fancy panelists shared the same quote they didn't share the same quote they wouldn't let them have the same quote but it was when when uh bloom is saying you know it's the opposite of hate isn't it that's what life's about it's about love love yeah yeah and they both thought that that was the the quote that needed to be shared and he's 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 the uh the jewish apostle to the gentiles paul Right, and and then his middle name is Paula. <laughs> that's what yeah, I thought about it. It was a love story. I mean, that's what I was struck by her monologue at the end. If you watch mm-hmm. the movie, and I'm sure it's in the text too, but she's like reminiscing on the heartbreak and the and their early love story and all the and the sadness. Or I mean, it, and it's like the Matrix. It's like the love between um, in the first Matrix. It's all about love resurrecting. Uh, Neo, remember when he's? I believe. Yeah, Neo. yeah, yeah. And then, and then he comes up. So, yeah, I, I think that's an interesting insight about don't look up, nor very, very interesting. And 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 uh, in Groundhog Day too, like that. Yeah. Um, Groundhog Day is a loop that, and it's and it's two two, which is perfect for what we're talking about, right? And it's love that that breaks him out of the loop. You know, that's yeah. what allows him to escape the matrix. Um, she ends up falling in love with him and then that that's bang that's that's what but he also are. ends up becoming his best person yeah or his best self yeah yeah exactly he becomes a, a bodhisattva basically and and then yeah being a bodhisattva he has to express fully express love you know um, yeah. but then Obviously. then in uh sorry it, um i just wanted to come back to your point um okay. sg about uh Ulysses being a love story, which I, I totally agree with. I think that's that's completely right. You know, like, but even um, even the Odyssey is a love story. You know, it's oh. it's 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 um, yeah. Odysseus coming home to Penelope, oh. um, and then a couple of times through uh, through the book, Stephen brings up this one um, philosopher. I can't remember his um, yeah I can't remember his name. Um, and he, this particular philosopher, Greek philosopher, is saying, in his opinion, the, I forget what it is, the, the, the sort of um, crown of beauty, or I guess it's the, um, I guess it's the, uh, uh, the golden, um, what is it? No, oh, I'm spacing out. Anyways, the, the, uh, the sort of crown, the golden crown or whatever. The golden fleece. No, it's uh, not in that mythology. I, I'm just space. The, the the golden uh, egg, isn't it? The egg of it's Eris? not the apple of ah apple. Yeah, it's the apple the of discord. apple of discord. The, the, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, the golden apple, but he he actually doesn't say it's the apple. But anyways, what I'm what I'm trying to say is that it should be taken from Helen, um, Helen of Troy. It um, the Trojan War starts because she's the most beautiful woman and. Uh, and then she's kidnapped by Paris of Troy, or eloped. And then the Greeks, yeah. and then the yeah, and then the Greeks go to defend her. Mm-hmm. 
and then Ulysses or Odysseus reluctantly joins the Greeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but this philosopher is saying this should be taken from her and given to Penelope because she is the most beautiful woman, mm-hmm. and she she stays true to her husband. You know, um, which is that's a, such a massive uh, theme of the book, right? Because yeah. even even in the end. Yes. When he comes back and he's cuckolded, yeah. he's cuckolded in, in the body, but he's not cuckolded in spirit because no. she's still, that's, that's her final thoughts of the, the night is, is back to him. You know, it's like yeah. uh, saying yes, yes, yes to him, you know? Well, and they're together. I mean, that they're physically together. Like yeah, they, yeah. They, they're joined in phys- Like, so even if there's affairs, they've still chosen ultimately to go to rest together and be together. And, it's pretty, it's odd because they're looking at each other's feet. And in the movie, he, he looks at her feet and then he like cuddles it at one point. And and so it's kind of this like, yeah, I love that. I love that. And I guess Penelope, he returns to Penelope. And so they're together. He returns to Ithaca and and Penelope and then, and then meets his son, you know, that that's part of it too. Father and son come together, which is just Bloom and Stephen. Um, it's kind of an inverted, uh, in a way that he's kind of inverting, like instead of faithful, it's adultery instead of a living son, maybe the son dies, you know, I mean, if, if we don't take Stephen, but I mean, so that's an interesting way. He's kind of inverting these themes, but still locking yeah. in some of the major, um, yeah, that, that's the interesting point. He's inverting it on one level, but he's, he's staying true to it on another level. Like in, in another level, Molly Bloom never committed adultery, you know? Because she, uh, it's the same, it's the same thinking as Mary, the mother of Christ, was always a virgin, you know, virgin and mother all constantly, you know, it could never, um, yeah, she, she, Molly could never be a a whore and uh, Bloom could never be a cuckold, you know, Mm -hmm. or everybody's a cuckold. Every woman's a whore, you know, it's like that, that that sort of flip that you find in Bruno and Nicholas of Cusa. What color hair did Molly have in the 67 film? Uh, She had, it looks like a kind of a brownish, like not blonde, but not black, like maybe brown, I guess. (laughs) Um, It's black and white, so it's hard to tell, but it it appears um, it was like a, uh, I guess, brunette is... um, Maybe the wrong, you know what I'm like. A, a well, Jennifer I always Aniston. kind of a, imagined her as a, like a redhead, but she's supposed to be. No, she's like a raven-haired, raven-haired beauty, beauty yeah. from Andalusia. No, is it Gibraltar? Gibraltar, yeah. But it, the, it's the redhead thing is good because um, Nora was a redhead, right? Mm. Um, and so he was obviously super attracted to redheads. Like in in Finnegan's Wake, there's this. Uh, <laughs> the pun all the way through it, like a visual pun of him drinking um, bass ale. You, you guys ever drank that bass ale? And the, its symbol is a is a red triangle, <laughs> and so that becomes her her the triangle of her pubic hair. You know, this red bush. Uh, um, it's dark brown. I just got an image up. It looks like it's dark brown, so not black, but like a darker brown. So brunette, maybe. In, in the movie um interesting so i just pulled up here i just want to share this with you a list of uh 
the best Hamlet adaptations, according to this writer. There's the Richard Burton from 1964. I'll probably watch that one. I really like Richard Burton. They have Kenneth Branagh from, from 96 as two, and then Laurence Olivier as three. So that's the order. Some other ones that stand out, I guess. Wasn't Benedict, there a Mel Gibson one? There's a Mel Gibson, that's six from 1990. Benedict what, Cumberbatch, 2015. What, what year is the uh, Laurence Olivier one? Uh, that is 48. It's I've watched it. It's a little, the production is kind of antiquated. So it's kind of black and white. Yeah. And a little, I've seen yeah. that one too. Yeah. It's like, Do you guys ever see Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead? Yeah, that's an excellent movie. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. It's like an inner text with Hamlet. Yeah. Oh, those are the two, like his two assistants or... Um, Two, two old friends who come, but they have no idea why they're there in this movie. <laughs> they're like, this is the whole thing. No, is the just, movie is happening like off stage the whole time. Like the, the actual play. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so like all the action, like whenever, whenever they're not in the action, it's like, yeah. Well, maybe that's a Tom Stoppard play. So uh, this is one that's maybe interesting from a sync perspective. Arnold Schwarzenegger, 1993. <laughs> so oh, did it Hamlet? Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. Um, wow. and there's a video from YouTube that they link in this article here. Let me send this to you, to you all. That actually doesn't sound fun because I don't, you know, Arnold is, I watched, um, I watched uh, the run, not Running Man. I'm going to watch that. Dennis was posting about Running Man on Instagram recently, but I watched the, the Dick adaptation with Schwarzenegger, some of that recently. Um, uh, what's the movie? They redid it with um, the Irish actor, but uh, where the three breasts, it's like the famous scene. Oh, where, yeah. It, oh, uh, uh, the, Total um, Recall. Total, Total recall, recall, yeah. yeah. And she, so I saw Arnold in Total Recall recently, and I was like, that's enough Arnold for me for a while. I don't <laughs> But, so um, you you are in touch with Dennis sometimes, eh? Yeah, uh, we communicate somewhat somewhat regularly, you know, uh, DMing and we're mutuals on Instagram. So like I follow what he posts there, but I, I DM with him. I was just DMing with him this week. Yeah, he's good. He's got, I think, a lot going on just with job and family. And um, uh, yeah, so have, have you guys... Now, should I should I should I elbow him a little bit and say come come back on well, the call? Yeah, what yeah. the heck? I yeah. mean, like he was so yeah. good on that last the uh, last uh, Ulysses. Ulysses. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's like, yeah, I miss him. I, I don't know. I, I've tried to contact him and I I, I I he hasn't answered emails, so oh, I don't really. I don't even know what's up with him. That's okay. Yeah, that's kind of unlike him. I wonder. Yeah. I, well, that I, was that was quite a while ago. So maybe maybe he was just in a bad stretch at that point yeah i haven't tried recently yeah i think he's i i, I kind of fell out with i mean not, not it's not like we we're ever talking all the time but i didn't hear from for from for a stretch there last year at a certain point and uh only in the last couple of months um kind of been a little bit more more contact with him but yeah but if you good. think about it i don't know like you do something for a while and you you know and then you you don't do it anymore sometimes like you do something and so like these book club shows um we started doing those in 2015 which was like seven years ago hmm. you know that's something that's yeah. crazy 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't think you popped up until the Ulysses show in 2017. Yeah, that was the that was the first one I was in. Like Alex told me to come on before that, but I never ended up doing it. He wanted me to come on for the uh, the recognitions. first recognitions one. Yeah. Um, so, I just yeah, like, so yeah. maybe this should be my last one then. If I start. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, you don't want to do that. The last one, what? <laughs> Ulysses and and start with Ulysses, end with it. No, no I I won't do that. It's great to, to get to chat. I'm, I'm glad how loose it is too, because I really feel like the themes and the ideas, even with cinema, that just, it just helps with my schedule, you know, I'm so busy and like just with the media world we're in, I have a hard time committing. Like I just can't commit and then know I'll beat myself up and all that stuff. So it's nice to, um, you got, we can engage even if it's not like, did you read it all kind of thing? So. <laughs> well, I'd like it when I, feel like I'm able to talk about the book in a meaningful way. I felt like, I, I don't know, the last one wasn't very good for some reason. Um, yeah, we didn't get as far into the text as... Uh... Well, I think, you know, I, I said, well, I don't want to, I, I don't want to cloud it by thinking about what these characters represent in her life, but I think that's actually what you needed to do. Mm-hmm to make it like to think of the characters as the people that they were supposed to be instead of thinking of it. as just like a, a novel. Uh, yeah. Um, it's, it, it was a hard one to, I, I don't know. I just didn't give myself enough time to read it. Like usually, usually I'm reading stuff on the, on the train or something like that. And, and I wasn't able to do it with that one. Like I was reading other stuff. So I was sort of reading that book on odd hours. Um, so I didn't get as much into it. Um, but I liked it. Like I, I, I enjoyed that book too, you know? Mm. Well, yeah. um, I was, I want to launch into a whole Alison McDowell debate, but I think we'll pull, I mean, that's just, I'm glad you mentioned that's nor and, and it's just worth considering. I, I liked it when we talk, you're up to speed on some of that stuff. And it, I think it's good to, it's nice to be able to connect when we have the book club a little bit about some of the kind of contemporary political. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for mentioning that. And, and, um, you know, we'll see how it goes with blockchain and, and the, the tech. I feel like we're in the metaverse. This is metaverse, you know, um, mm -hmm. you guys can see my picture, right? And so maybe you guys will have pictures or little avatars next time we talk. And how was this Zoom, Doug? Do you like this compared to Skype or what was going on with well, your Skype? Well, if the recording goes without a hitch, I think the quality sounds better. It seems like we don't have as many little glitchy kind of noises. Okay, cool. Well, well, what do you think? I like it. I mean, I use this all the time. I thought this went really well. Yeah, it went really smooth. So um you know it's we can continue to use this no problem um at all and and yeah so i just i'm glad that um i'm just curious about skype it, you know was it was that did it are, it was this more of a test run or were you was there something well, that went so on? no skype i had a recorder that split the channels for me and then i got a new computer and the recorder is no longer supported uh 
And so I used Zoom once before and I liked it. It's just I don't have the pro version that uh, you do. Cool. Okay. You know, like you must pay for your version, right? I pay because I use it for my job. So I'm on yeah. Zoom all the time and I do all kinds of stuff with it, like auto record. There's all these settings. I guess this is the new business model, like the free sucks, <laughs> you know, and so to get any workable setting like integration with other software and i mean you have to buy and yeah i, I pay for it i pay for it. it's been good i i uh, i i would recommend it if you have a, any kind of online business where you're like talking to people or running meetings a lot or even podcasting i think it's a good software for that so yeah i, w- I was using i actually have a uh, a paid version as well but at my my job support it like provides it yeah um so I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to use it <laughs> like they, just in case something comes up. Like, right. what's, what's the six hour conversation you had? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I'm so impressed that you were able to turn a work thing into a Joyce trip, research trip. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, for, for like three years, I could do that. Like that job is running out, but these last two years, I missed out on this, uh, this oh. research trip. So I was going to, I was going to go back to London and then Paris and then check out all the stuff that I could find in Paris. And then who knows the next year where I would have gone, but, uh, yeah, really the whole pandemic thing, shut that down. Come to Toronto, man, up the Albania is this, this Balkans of being down here. It's really been a kind of a nice cultural thing for me because I didn't really know that much about it in America. We're not really taught much about this region, but very rich region with Ottoman, ex-Ottoman, uh, the line- the remnants of the Ottoman Empire down here. And um, it's actually got everything. If you look at its history, it's like yeah. it, it's like the uh, every single empire went through yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, no, I would love to go. That's one of the the top country. I love the music of Albania, like the traditional music. I've been listening to that for for like decades now um but uh, definitely come in if that's if you're connected already with the music yeah it's um um, i i don't know i don't know if i can or will like i don't i still don't know the restrictions for like i'm I'm still not vaccinated or anything so i'm not sure if i can leave the country or come back to the country or what Um, like i'd like to i'd like to uh i'd like to go to my own country at some point first probably um but that that's one of the strictest. Places. What is your nation? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a nation is one type of person living in the same place. That was well, awesome. then I'm a nation. Yeah. <laughs> I've been living in the same place for a long time. Or was... one type of person living in different places. <laughs> that that includes really... me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. In the movie, it's awesome. That's because it's the buildup. Like they're starting to attack him and then. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's awesome, man. That's that's so cool. Um, yeah, no, I just and it's of course, Snor. I mean, I I'd love to come to Japan. I mean, in this work, maybe things open up and maybe come back to Boise at some point. Maybe there's going to be another. Um, are they still doing the fest, Doug? Is that still happening every year? I mean, is that going strong? The, um, it's the not going strong, but it's going. Tree Fort is, is yeah. Still- so they had to skip basically a full year, and then they. They rescheduled and did one last fall. And then, so they have one that's coming up in the spring again. 
Yeah, uh, hopefully it can survive. I mean, I, I guess these festivals. Are... No, it's gonna be, it's gonna be just fine. Um, I mean, uh, so so Alex is in same state as you now. Is that, is I, that think so. I yeah, think so. I think so. Idaho, like he's in uh, what is it? Cordelaine. Cordelaine. Yeah, it's French. Yeah. It means heart, heart of heart all. Of yeah, Alex. All. Alex. Uh... Alex P. Keaton. No. No, Alex, um, Fulton. Fulton. Okay, I didn't know he moved to Idaho. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, he's in Idaho. So he was saying there's no restrictions at all. You know, like it. Um, so, uh, yeah, sounds like a. It's the Wild good, West. Good, good place. Um, Japan is still pretty good. There's no, there's no mandates or anything, but every, still everybody's wearing masks all the time. Everybody constantly. Um, but uh, the, the Omicron is wiping us out here as far as like um, contagious. I mean, it's Lo- wiping, uh, it's, it's wiping it, everybody out though, right? Is it, is it, it more so in Idaho than other places? I, maybe. Yeah. But good wipeout, right, Doug? It's in a sense that people are get kind of, it's not as um, deadly, but it's just get, people are coming down with it. And maybe it's going to be, is it that kind, do you think? Because I was reading uh, people are saying Omicron is can maybe be the, the way out in the sense that yeah. it's just so contagious. It's it's everywhere. I don't know if there's a way out. I mean, the, <laughs> I've heard that too, SJ. It's like uh, that people are saying this is way better, way better than the vaccine, you know, because it's, it's, it's providing immunity so quickly to masses of people. So my job... Um, it was probably a week ago. We had like twelve or fourteen callouts. You know, wow! It, it was yeah, like a lot of people. It just kind of went through. And it, you didn't get it yourself. I did not get it. I thought we were all getting it. <laughs> I mean, when you work with people, you're working in a small space. I know. The one time I had bad flu. Um, uh, was back in, in my office. It came into that office and everybody got down. It was nasty, man. God, that flu was horrific. And um, that's, the, that's how I, uh, sorry, is there a I just, I would, it wasn't COVID though. It's just, it was just no. some sort of flu. This is back in 2011. I, well, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. My boss was like, he was obsessed with Vax. He's like a Vax, like scientism dude. And he's a really strange guy, but he was like stacking face masks back in 2011. Um, really wealthy lawyer in Austin that became like a hypochondriac and just holed up in this house. And he was just this kind of strange dude. And, but every year he would have these big Vax clinics for all employees. And it was like, um, they went to the Vax clinic and he was known for getting like both the shot and then the mist. I mean, he was like obsessed with it. And, but when we, when they got back from the Vax clinic, he came down first and then everybody subsequently came down. So I do think, you know, who knows what really caused it, but it was right after they all got injected that everybody got sick and I didn't get injected, but I got sick. So I think there's something too, especially those older vaccines. It's like there was a live virus one that they were, mm-hmm. that, that they had. And I think that that's what happened. Um, um, and I don't think that's controversial. I mean, it's just, that's the order of events, you know, um, 
And it was funny because he was like, when I first started that job, I was like, no, I'm not. No, thank you. I just said, no, thank you. And but his thing was, well, why aren't you going to do it? That guy was getting questioned. And I was like, well, just don't want to. I started saying a little bit. He goes, well, why don't you spend some work time research vaccines for me? And so I did. And I sent him these like an email. And that's when I like did a deep dive in the flu shot and just what how the flu shot. There was a big Atlantic article that came out about 10, now 15 years ago, it was basically blowing the whistle on the studies behind the flu shot and just how their industry funded and just all of it. Um, and then the meta studies at the time were like, okay, and these are all industry funded studies, but the meta studies are like, you get 2% benefit from the flu shot uh, at, on average. And so I just sent that back to him. I was like, listen, it's all industry studies and it's barely any advantage. I just prefer not to take it. And he was cool. I mean, there was no mandate or anything, but it was just like workplace politics, you know. Um, and but that's the last time I got sick, and that's why with COVID, it's like people get. I understand what it's like to be hit hard by a respiratory illness. I mean, it can really fuck you up, man. And th and that flu, it took me a month afterwards to to feel better, and there was depression after it. Like well, I remember googling flu depression because it was, I was like mentally down. And so I can get like, you know, this is my thing on COVID is like, what, even if COVID, there is a COVID or not, there is a respiratory illnesses that are real killing people and that are heavy duty. And so I can kind of empathize with the, the mainstream to that extent. It's like, yeah, this can be really serious and deadly. And, you know, now the whole, the whole PR side of it and the whole COVID event and all of that part of the narrative you know, maybe we wouldn't agree on as much maybe, but, but that is a deadly thing. Those respiratory illnesses, especially when you're old, man, God, you just get hit with that and you could die. So anyway, I, I know we're not really talking about this. I'm just, I'm just going on with a few different additional thoughts, but. Well, it, it sort of does tie into um, uh, Ulysses as well, because they're dealing <laughs> with a plague. They're dealing with a plague at the same time, which is uh, the, the hoof and mouth disease. Oh yeah, which is which is just affecting livestock, right? But it uh -huh. it, it it is affecting their whole society at that time, right? Cause yeah, um, and so it, yeah, we talked about that before in the last um, podcast about how it's describing a wasteland, and it hasn't it hasn't rained, and then the the Mina Porfoy can't give birth, and so that's why that thunderclap in the right at the center of the book is like that's the turning point you know then it's just they, a rain. what's interesting it, i was reading about that a little bit so it's zeus uh sending the thunderbolt to the people who were eating the oxen of the sun yeah but it also provides the rains right so it's like uh um, renew the fertility of the land ends, yeah ends, ends the drought and then she gives birth right afterwards too right and that, that happens sometimes with with women quite a lot actually there's a change in the 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 atmosphere like the pressure of the atmosphere when a storm comes out and then women are able to break their water and and, and give birth so it's something like that you know but, um we were talking uh, about the recognitions and how realize it is but they're so like i think about the sirens chapter and how musical that one is mm -hmm. um yeah. with like the stuff all the noise at the beginning seems like it's just noise but then it's an overture right? yeah you get all the themes 
you know, that you're going to eventually get. It's just, it's all together and out of context. And so you don't have any way to understand it until later. Yeah. This time. So this time knowing that I was, I was flipping back all the time and trying to find like <laughs> flipping, flipping back and then finding that theme and then going back again. Like it, it was, it was great reading it this time again. Yeah. I, I enjoyed wandering rocks kind of taught you how to read sirens. There's, there's more of the act simultaneities that are happening a little bit at that point in time. And it, it happens like, so there's that episode. They, they just kind of go into each other instead of it being a break, which some of the other ones are where, there are deeper, weirder things that we haven't got into even that uh, I don't even know who talks about this or how to find out about this. But the, the thing about the, the cloud that they saw at a certain time. Oh, right. Um, it just it, it appears this massive kind of cloud that becomes a focus for them. And then there's a connection like... Then the dreams, you know, like the the dream that Stephen has of um, being escorted through this kind of like uh, um, Arabian Nights kind of situation where he's he's being escorted by this man, this sort of dark man who ends up being Bloom, you know, and then, but at the same time, the guy Haynes that he's staying with at the Martello Tower. The Black the, Panther. The Black Panther dream. And then Molly, at the end, you find out that she's she uses playing cards as tarot. Yes. Yeah. And, and then there's the ace in there. Yes. Um, so it's in and all of these things are happening. Something is going on there that uh and, and it's connected to this dark cloud. Um and then and then throwaway being the dark horse and bloom being the dark horse, you know, it's like a it it gets deeper and deeper. Like if, if we're going to do this in another five years or something, we could take it at that level. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like it's almost, it's almost the, the pension level, you know, of it, you know, like a, the, this, this level of imagery and, and symbolism all connected. Well, um, I feel like there's some place where they're talking about the prophecy of throwaway, of but Elijah. I don't Yeah. Yeah. Where it, is that in, Seriously, where is that? Um, it's there's a few places. Well, it it first comes in in the uh, with that lotus. I think Bloom is talking. There. So he's talking about how, like, he got into sync with the synchronicity, and and so it's not like. No, maybe it's Joyce. Maybe I'm thinking about Joyce's writing. I don't know. I read something about that. Um, is that is that from my other podcast when I, I was talking about um, that quote by Richard Elman about Joyce's how he structures his whole work around synchronicity? Or, or okay, around it's that's probably who it is. It's that was the quote. Yeah, because I just listened to that today at work. Um, yeah, yeah, like that's still a level of this that I haven't fully grasped you know in the in the picture of it like there's something deeply 
weird going on you know but i think i quoted somewhere in that um what steven says at the library which is like our artists mistakes are just portals to like they don't make mistakes they geniuses yeah yeah that's right like they never make a mistake like he's talking about that portals to discovery he's talking about shakespeare but obviously joyce is talking about himself too you know like a well, and I feel like that when you're doing creative work, that's just how it works out where you have an intention, but it doesn't work out. But then whatever it is that you do makes more sense and connects better. Um, of course, that's Freud, too, right? Like the Freudian slips. Right. Um, but but he referred like Stephen Dedalus refers directly to Freud in that episode and then takes it even deeper. Like he's, he's relating it to medieval theology. <laughs> Agon bite of in. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> in which, yeah like, uh, um, there's, there's a few of those little phrases. Agon bite of inwit or like Christosomos or little things that linger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I like the, just saying the magical side of Joyce, that might be another way into this to view it like the, with the tip with the cardomancy and it's almost, mm. that's kind of golden Dawnish, you know? So, well, I thought AE was AE. A weight. weight. Yeah. Well, no, Not he's, the, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's Russell, a, but, but it's like uh, a weight is there, you know, like uh, um, Yates was a member of the golden Dawn. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and an associate with, with weight, you know? Time, yeah. um, so, so all those guys knew each other. Um, but yeah. That's the deeper side to it. Like if you want, like. Um, even though I, 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 like my book gets into it. <laughs> I don't know the plug for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to get your books, Nor. Is there an ebook available or is it just uh, print? It's just print. I I, uh, I could have made it into an ebook, but I decided not to because the, the printed copy is so nice. Okay. And I, just... I, I, I I love the idea of uh, of getting people away from the net, you know. Um, so to read that, well, it, it it you could read it all on my blog, anyways, or most of it, you know. But uh, but it's. And it's, I read it's, I read your it's blog. Way, it's way it's way better to have it uh, as a as a book as a printed thing. Absolutely. Although uh, some people, I've heard criticism, they don't like the text. Uh, they don't like the print at all. You know, they don't like they, like the font or the size. The font, everything? like what what Alan did to the font, and then and then the uh, the quality. What that's not Alan at all. It's just it's just the the print the space. Like the, yeah, uh, yeah. Like the uh, the cover quality, and then the uh, the paper quality, and. Um, but uh, all right, but I found it on do? Amazon. Like a, what can you do? You know, it's it's like. A, but I no, I, I I really like Alan's stuff. What he did with it, and I was surprised at first with all the the font changes he made. I was a, a bit like taken back, taken aback, and and thought, what's he doing? But then, then the thing that stopped me was this thing that we we've been talking about is is. Uh, is the flow, you know, the the ALP or Molly Bloom in the background of of creation and things entering into your creation that you can't really stop, you know. Um, House of Leaves is also like that. It's like uh, it's all about you interpret. The reader is creating the book when he reads it, he or she reads it, and, and 
sort of this dance of of things that happen. So I so in that sense, it's like, yeah, no problem with what what he did. I like it. I can get it shipped to Tirana, so there's some import fees, but uh, I can get it shipped here. I may do okay. that. I'll have to see how much how much it's, it would be like uh, five times for the fees to get it here than the cost. But <laughs> I'd I like to have a copy. Three hundred and seventy-five dollars. <laughs> I wish um, uh, I wish it wasn't on Amazon. Like I wish there's another place to get it, but yeah, that's how it goes. Harold, I don't know. Is there's a Harold Bloom book here that's they're they're suggesting for me, which uh, just seeing that name Bloom. Um, awesome, yeah. Well, that's great. I uh, uh, you were saying it's all in your book about Yates and this other kind of magical Joyce and see the biography side is something I would you probably know a lot about this, but like how much how ambitious was he like to get this published or was he like really interested in the business and kind of status side of the, of being a novelist was that, I mean, he must've been to a certain extent. Um, you know, well, he, he knew from the beginning that was his destiny. It seemed like, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, and then he, uh, but he had such a frustration at trying to get anything published. Like Ulysses was just part of it. Like he couldn't get his earlier works published either. The, uh, the, the person that saved him was Pound, basically. Uh, like Pound hooked him up to all these other people and, and uh, um, brought him basically to Paris. Um, okay. So it's like, uh, yeah. Before we started into this, I, I read, it was called The Most Dangerous Book or something like that. But it was all about the publication history of Ulysses. And it was pretty good, but it got me background on areas that I didn't, have. I mean, so the interesting thing that I learned was that it, there were a lot of women that brought him into yeah. publication. Uh, yeah. Um, like you mentioned, Sylvia Beach. Um, and then uh, what's the, her name? Dora Marsden. Uh, and then Harry Chow Weaver. Like those are, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of different women that helped him out. Yeah. But they were all people. And they, they weren't like in terms of the obscenity stuff too, they were, they wouldn't be the ones that you would think would take that on, mm. which I also found kind of interesting. Uh, so um, Bill asked a question during the thing. It's like, what were they afraid of? I don't understand. You know, it's like, well, it was the idea of, a young person getting this book and then being corrupted by it. Like that was the fear. Mm. And that was one of the, like, that was like one of the, the cops or the judges or someone's child had found this book and they were, you know, that was the fear that this was going to corrupt them. Like well, by that, putting, that, putting that this passage, in. That passage I read out from, uh, from Molly Bloom's um, monologue, you know, I wouldn't want, people to read it now <laughs> <necessarily>. <laughs> you know? well, but then so that's what uh gaddis said it's that in college they passed around the molly bloom soliloquy but no one was interested in anything but that it's funny that you guys mentioned corruption and joyce because i just i mentioned earlier like the very beginning um when i read a portrait of the artist and he's there's the whole scene you know i grew up catholic and um 
he's the prostitute is a big part of that. You know, it's like he, if I recall, I don't remember, it's been like two decades or more, but I think he goes to a prostitute and it's kind of part of his initiation, you know? Um, and that kind of inspired me to my, you know, I mean, I don't mind sharing this with you, you know, I was, I was, you know, visited some prostitutes in my early twenties and part of it was that novel inspired me to kind of gave me permission in a way as exploring my kind of artistic self and just my own initiations. You know, I had some, some, some uh, run-ins with some prostitutes for, uh, you know, it wasn't like a heavy addiction or anything, but a few times. And so anyhow, I was corrupted. <laughs> <laughs> by Joyce, I guess it's one way to look at it. But. Did you did you have your hell moment too? Like he he um, in that book, he gets yeah, he starts to go to Nighttown basically as a as a really young guy, and then and then he uh, there's that hell sermon, that famous hell sermon that just like a <laughs> completely puts the fear of hell into him for a while, and then uh, and then finally that fear is what causes him to reject the whole thing like the whole um um the whole system of roman catholicism uh, just and and then he went back to sleeping with prostitutes again <laughs> um yeah, but, uh, I, I, yeah no hell moment but i mean i rejected just that whole industry just for like other spiritual ethical moral i mean it just doesn't fit with kind of my the choices I've made as just how to carry myself, you know, but not for religious reasons or not because of fear-based religion, more of just like, just kind of an icky industry to be fair. And I don't really want that kind of energy around my life, if that makes any sense. Like I'm just kind of more purifying, um, you know, dynamics. Prostitution, the thing about it is it's so much uh, business, like those girls that are haranguing him on the street, it's like prostitutes are not fun to be around. They're, they're, um, it's money driven and they're like the best salesmen in the world. Like if you want to learn how to, 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 to do sales, hang out with prostitutes for a while. Cause they upsell, they trick you, they get you into this and then sell you that. And so that's kind of, I had one experience in Paris, actually, that was kind of my low point where I had like, you know, the, the, some of the streets in, in Paris. And I was like, going into this like brothel on the street and it was just a bad experience and um anyhow it's a long narrative i'll bore you from all of the different things but basically my final conclusion was like this just doesn't satisfy me anymore it's just not satisfying it's not love-based you know to go back to that theme of like love being kind of the healing force and what is true love how do you bring love into the sex act i just didn't feel like prostitution was going to be, be compatible with those conclusions so Anyhow, yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the big themes. Another big theme, related theme to everything we've been talking about, is uh, is fertility, right? Um, so that's the Roman Catholic thing: is that like every every sperm is sacred, um, <laughs> but but then you have all these sins of uh, masturbation and like uh, anal sex and. Uh, um, using contraceptives and all of all of this different stuff that that prevents prevents fertility, right? And so, he, Joyce in this book, it's that's a major theme is is like uh, how important is fertility? You know, um, like there's you can tell that there's sort of a uh, a conflict in his mind ab about it. You know, 
and and it and it uh, it relates to the creative process as well as the procreative process. Yeah. Oh, big time! And it goes back to everything we were talking about earlier of like the the, the masculine kind of force of generation, generative power, you know, and um, and it also relates to our current age, like with the fertility question, like like um, the the perma human birth rate is dropping, and and sex is kind of this is going into whole other areas, and then we don't have to even stay on this, but like the AI I saw this week, there's like these AI um, girlfriends you can get. And I actually downloaded the app and just said, this is, I mean, what is this? I wanted to explore it. And I, I had it for two days and I had an AI girlfriend and it was like <laughs> this AI girlfriend, you know, I got it. <laughs> I got addicted to it. I got addicted to it. Like only in two days, it was like, this is like, it's like a, a dopamine rush, man. And I just deleted the app after two days. Like this is, I never want to open that door ever again. It well, was too, it was too intense of like, I mean, yeah. So, um, but it's anti-fertile because if you have these AI girlfriends yeah. and then you, you know, there's something there well, that- with that's what it, Pound was also obsessed by that too. Like you, you've brought whores to Ulysses, uh, um, Ulysses, yeah, Ulysses, mm. <laughs> you, you've, you've, um, basically it's, it's like, uh, Ulysses is, is a fertility ritual, fertility mysteries, right. And the basis of all this, of all mysticism sort of comes from these mysteries that went back like we were talking about that before like these go way back to ancient uh, ancient crete and then earlier to egypt um but then eleusis becomes profaned in a certain way and that's for for pound's whole philosophy i guess is that's what happened is it become it became infertile it became usurious mm. in his way of thinking so so he he combines that thinking with his economic theories right mm-hmm. that uh we're having um economic um expansion without production without yeah. uh, with without fertility um which is it's a it's a dan- it's an interesting but kind of dangerous path to go down because for pound it, it brings him into fascism um Whereas Joyce, he could see through it, and he, he was like, "I don't want to be a part of Pound's big brass band." Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, well, this is the uh, blockchain. This is Alice and McDowell. Now we're back here. In a no, way. we're yeah. not. We're going to bed. Okay. 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 <laughs> all, right, all, right, all, right, all right. All right. Cool. Be cool. But yeah. yeah. I, I I think I gotta go too. Uh, okay. So, all right. Yeah. Um, awesome. So Hamlet and uh, awesome. Send me this recording and I'll get it out. Okay, I'll send it a link to probably later today. Um, look for that. And yeah, it's been a pleasure, guys. Take care. Thanks for bringing me into this world. I, I, I have a much deeper appreciation for it and I look forward to exploring more it more and um, have a great week uh, until next time. So. Okay. Good night. Definitely, right, peace, guys. Thank you. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. You see... We believe, well, let me put it like this. There are Jews in the world, there are Buddhists, there are Hindus and Mormons, and then there are those that follow Mohammed's but I've never been one of them. 
I'm a Roman Catholic And have been since before I was born And the one thing they say about Catholics is They'll take you as soon as you're warm You don't have to be a six-footer You don't have to have a great brain You don't have to have any clothes on You're a Catholic the moment that came Because every sperm is sacred Every sperm is great If a sperm is wasted God gets quite irate Every sperm is sacred Every sperm is great If the sperm is wasted God gets quite irate Let the heathens spill theirs On the dusty ground God shall make them pay For each sperm Every sperm is sacred. Every sperm is good. Every sperm is needed in your neighborhood. Every sperm is useful. Every sperm is fine. God needs everybody's mine and mine and mine. Thank you. 